the motherfuckers get familiar. Get familiar with Cartwright. So let's get into it, man. Um, what's up? It's your boy Doodle Boy Fuge. I'm back with another edition. I've been truly blessed to meet some dope, innovative people along the journey. And um, this young OG of mine is someone who we're from the same neck of the woods. We're from the same hood, Mount Vernon, New York. So I've been just a student of when I first caught with for what he was doing. He had a project out with an artist from New Row, Fat Boy of the Rock, the boy Steely. And they were mm -hmm. doing live instruments and bands and you know they had a, a real different approach to it and since then i've just been a student of admiring his steps um studying his game and just truly truly just becoming a fan so without further ado i don't want to hold you up i want to welcome to the platform mr amir what's good godson peace brother how you man love and light man selling thank you thank you yes man. sir um, I'm well, man. I'm truly blessed and fortunate to be one of those people who, um, this is my habitat of being hibernated in the house or, you know what I mean, being in the whole circuit. So this ain't doing too much for me, but helping me sharpen up, man. How you holding up? How, how's your quarantine effect? Um, actually, man, um, I just honestly just been, been, been taking the time to, like, to, to sharpen the blades and try, I'm trying to come out of the quarantine with a new skill set. So. Every, I feel like just taking the time to be still and, and sharpen up, man, and recalibrate. Just recalibrate myself artistically, you know, personally, and kind of on a spiritual level. Just make sure that when I, when you, when you come out of this forced time to be still, that I come out better than when I came in. And, and considering the circumstances that a lot of people won't come out, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned in, it, in, in being still and being observant of a lot of the things that are taking place, you know, uh, locally in your house locally and globally like those three things are kind of in that order like and, and internally in the house locally and globally because it's, it's you know a lot of the stuff works works from the inside out especially our thought processes and how we how we kind of mitigate some of the risk we're going to take every time we step out you know to do simple tasks you know mail groceries etc so i think you know the new america America 2.0 is what they call me. But on a project I know we're gonna talk about, it, I named it, I called it the New America, yeah. But other than that, I'm just, I'm chilling, man. Yo, um, I must <coughs> always, it's a, it's a responsibility I have to always um, give the flowers while we, while we here and while I can. Yeah. Because, you know, tomorrow, next second, or the next minute isn't promised, geez. And that's one of the yeah. things that, um, one of the things that I admire so much about being a fan of yours, um, that you Thank you, man. Yeah, bro, it's actually, you know what it is, man. It's not even something I can control. You know, it's because I admire so much about you, geez, and um, and just how that's you deep, give man. it up. Like, I, I, I wanna start off saying that, cause even just listening to how you articulate yourself, as a young black man in this world from the hood like me man like you are one of those dudes that even just listening to how you um just briefly you know spoke on your quarantine effect man i have to give you the flowers and just salute you bro because your discipline i know that even from the first time i linked with you 
energy I felt talking to you, and even right now in the first three minutes of this this conversation, the it's energy DK. has always matched. Where it'd be like, yo, bro, son is is God sent, bro. Like you, you mm. have a discipline about yourself that I know that that was worked on. Like that was something that you worked on, bro. Where not just your vocabulary, how you articulate yourself, but just always being calm, man, and, and just that poise. Um, talk to me a little bit about, you know, me, the journey of that evolution of Amir. How did you get to this? Um, Cause you a light skin pretty boy nigga, bro. So I know you had your phases <laughs> and everything, you feel me? And it's like, yeah. but bro, you were really disciplined. Like, you know what I'm saying? A true prophet of this uh, earth. Jeez, how did you get to this point? I, I appreciate that, man. To be honest, man, I didn't see what was happening while it was happening. I think what happened, the quote, the, you know, in hindsight, everything is 2020, but as things are happening and you start getting, you know, understanding and, and, and with that comes wisdom. Some people will get granted the attribute of wisdom through birth or just through, you know, genetic, I guess, uh, positioning. But I would definitely <clears throat> equate some of that to, to um, I always been a student of life, every walk of life. Um, as far as like I, I paid attention to the details of how things were stitched I would take a calculator apart and look at the inside the batteries I did something wild when I was a kid I remember taking a battery with the two prongs and put it to my tongue to see if it would charge me like I was and it had a little zap to it I'm like oh so I would always I think from the beginning I just I was just inquisitive I asked a lot of questions about everything so in, in the process of me asking questions and wanting to know what the answers were I was always just asking questions and trying to be a sponge and then I think how over the years I had to pick and choose when to be a student and when to be a teacher and when to listen and when to speak. And through that, you know, uh, the, that, that, those processes, and it's, and it's not just, you, I came to one point and I said, yo, I, I know how to do it now. I, it's a constant practice. Always try to take it and look at everything from a different angle, even in conversation, you know, um, keep an open mind and open heart and a non-judgmental lens when dealing with people and just study and watch other men that were great. And not because you're just saying it to me. When I spoke to you in, in the same route, I saw a lot of, I see greatness in you because to be honest, it takes more strength for a man to compliment another man than it does for the other dude to sit back and be like, yeah, that's cool. I appreciate it. Cause I, so I humbly accept, you know, the jewels and the love and, and I reciprocate that back to you because, <clears throat> and give you your roses as well, because I do understand the amount of uh, layers we got to take down as men of color to tell another, tell another brother like, yo, I appreciate you, man. I love you. And I, and I respect what you're doing. Um, it takes a lot for us to even get to that point. So I think you already understand it because you're able to do it on your own already. So there were times in my life where that was tough for me to do that. What you, what you just did to me. Tough for me to even tell somebody I love them. Yo, so it's a, it's a process. And some of us were naturally given that or, or groomed to be that way. So I think for me, man, I just really took it and I take everything a day at a time and I really just move forward. And constantly, I'm constantly in student mode and teacher mode. But it took a while for me to understand the balance when to be a student and when to be a teacher and when to be a listener and when to be a speaker and constantly be able to shift to those different seats without letting my ego of any kind get in the way of progression or get in the way of self-evolution. That's powerful. And, and and I'm actually going to dissect a little bit of that with you in, in the latter end of, of our conversation today too. So I want to get back to that. But one of the things I want to piggyback on that I noticed and, and you spoke on in the introduction of just coming out of this quarantine, um, the Rona retreat, as I call it, this hibernation stage is stronger and being able to have new skill sets. I noticed that you get busy with the Clippers, B. I've been seeing you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Social media, <laughs> I mean, grooming yeah. it and, and keeping that up. So um, 
Talk to me, it's funny because I see a lot of dudes sitting on the timeline every day. Yo, it kills me when I see dudes complaining like, yo, I need a barber, da da da, when it's like, you know, growing up. We never seen that. Like, we seen more men taking that approach that you taking of just shaving. That's how a lot of us even got introduced to like the old school razor, the, the clean yeah. shaving approach yeah. that you actually move with. So that barbershop thing is one of the skill sets that you actually have, and that's something that yes. you can sharpen on your yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, I was cutting hair for years, man. That's kind of, I was one of the cornerstones of the, of the hub, man. Like, it's the barbershop, man. To be honest, I probably learned more at barbershop university than I did at any school or any street corner. Like, you learn so much in the barbershop, especially when you when you want to receive it. Uh, the knowledge of just the, the good and bad knowledge, you know, because everybody from every walk of life coming to the shop, you know, from the politician to the drug dealer to the whoever, you know, the scammers, the to the doctor, brain surgeons, everybody got to come through the shop, you know? So I think I was in student mode then, right? Um, what it taught me was, you know, grooming is, is essential. It's part of manhood. It's a part of self-grooming, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people say, oh, they would call it metrosexual or whatever the case, whether you got a beard, scruff, lineup, whatever, you know, you're taking care of your skin, and, you know what I'm saying? I think that's a part of self-care and self-love. So uh, when I started to cut hair and all that, man, I really just, um, Took it upon myself to like during the, you know quarantine I keep you know I keep it in order but honestly it's just really I, I would do that anyway because the shaving part to me is kind of just clippers you know scrub and then I, you know some dudes like me I would get the bumps and stuff whatever when I would shave or whatever man so once I found a remedy for that I tell my my people like look man you got them the little Nestle crunch under your joint you might want to try X Y Z to get rid of that or exfoliation in the shower you know stuff like that man and honestly. You know, just it's really just part of hygiene, man. It's like, like I think for us, learning how to shave is, is, is as essential as learning how to, how to tie a tie. You know, for for men, learning how to shave, like even if you don't do your own edge ups and stuff like that, learning how to shave or keep yourself groomed in the face is almost on the list with tying a tie for us. Yeah, that's dope. That's dope you say that because yeah. I actually <laughs> on my Twitter, I think like two days ago because I had. As I started to explore into other things in life and um, other avenues, it's just the maturation of a man. I started to find myself um, not knowing some of those things like tying a tie. And I remember when I first was going to going to an event or something and uh, it was a black tie fair. And I'll never forget it. I was in the hotel and I literally stopped and asked one of the people who cleaned the rooms. And I was like, yo, it was an older dude. And I knew he knew just because of how, you know what I'm saying? How, <laughs> how he you, kept himself together. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, yo, like, bro, I'm like, you know, we from the hood, G. And I'm like, and all my homies, trappers, you ask them anything about this, they can tell you everything. I said, but this right here, they ain't never introduced us to. So you know what I'm yeah. saying? So I asked them, and it's funny because I shared it on my Twitter the other day. I seen where, because you know, like with technology and the internet, I seen like a diagram that they had where they broke down each step. And I actually mm -hmm. tweeted it. Like, yo, save this, let me, like, save this, because we'll come in time as men, you're going to need this. You need this again, practice. yes, big fact, big facts. You know, being a student and a teacher, when we listen to your music and just the type yeah. of artist you are, um, it's, it's just ill how you assess those two um, different d dynamics of yourself, because that was one of the things I wanted to understand as a, as a fan and admirer of your pain game. Like, bro, mm -hmm. how do you balance that when it comes to your expression and music to where you know you're not the typical artist man where thank you it, it, it seems like you know you're just making music because 
you have nothing to do or it's just some fun thing. It's just fun for you. When you listen to your catalog and just what you've been doing, you, you dance that line of teaching but without being preachy. Mm. Like you dance that yeah. line, you feel me? And we yeah. know, we know, especially in our culture, that nobody want to hear nobody preaching, bro. It's never received, you know nah. what I'm saying, um, with open arms through yeah. the years. Not just with you, but like anybody. You know, it's it's tough to it's, digest it. Yeah, it, it is. It's, it's it is. Tough. It's How a, do you balance that? It's a tough L. To be honest, man, I, I, uh, years ago, once again, and I, bro, and, 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 and I want to say this before, I learned how to tie a tie in the, well, my pops learned how to tie a tie, but then I learned how to tie a Windsor knot in the barbershop. So you always get the, you know what I'm saying? So the shop has always been university. But once again, in the shop again, I, I was, OG came in there one day, and uh, I remember it was a story. He was selling candy bars for the church, but he had it in the Nike box, you know, young AM cutting. I said, yo, OG, what you trying to sell candy out of the Nike box, man? Nobody want that. He said, humble is the way, young brother. He even look at me. It is humble is the way. And I don't know why, when he said it to me, I just reached in my pocket and I bought like a couple candy bars and gave them out to some kids on the bench. But when he said humble is the way, I've been using that for over 10 years now. So I guess when I say what I'm saying for the question will be that humble is the way for that. It's finding the balance, meaning that there's grace and humility in telling people things. So when I speak in my music, I try to make it a conversation piece. I don't try to make it preachy or teachy. It should feel like a conversation with me. And if anybody ever had a conversation with me, whether it's on Ratchet Game or we you talking dope, you talking clothes, talking xyz love hate joy pain i just try to make it very, as conversational as possible and as honest as possible and i think that's been my approach as of lately but it takes you a while to come and peel back the layers of your onion to be able to be comfortable with being that vulnerable because once you start thinking about what everybody's going to think do i sound too preachy or sound too teachy you may possibly uh blur the message or, or disrupt the energy and hype in your delivery so what i try to do now is just <clears throat> just really just say it like a conversation, like me and you vibing right now. You know, I try to, when I turn around and get on the mic, I just try to make it the same vibe, but with feeling, you know, with more feeling, because it's kind of one-on-one. So I feel like it's an open, it's an open-ended conversation. It's ill that you, you know, strategically, not only understand it, but you strategically build your sound with that in mind, because you say in certain bars, like, you know, it's an oxymoron, I'm hurting intelligence, but I don't spit it for you moron. So you understand. Oh, yes, 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 that's you, know you caught that, yeah. Like, you understand, you know what I'm yeah. saying, that that's key, because for a lot of our people, they immediately shy away from a person trying to deliver a message. And then throughout your entire catalog, you've mm -hmm. been consistent with making the, the listener feel like, I know as for me, like, hey, I've been there. Yeah. I'm just yeah. trying to share these gems yeah. with you. Yeah. But even if you can't digest it right now, it's cool. I just want you to know I made the effort to put you on. Yes, 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 yes. And and, and to add to that, bro, it's, it's, it's very, very, very conversational. It's very like, you know, by the way. It's a very by the way type of conversation. By the way, bro, if you check these out, these new drinks came out. Nah, I ain't into that. All right, cool. I told you. You know what I'm saying? It's almost equivalent to like a Bitcoin or something years ago. And I said, yo, my man, you might want to get a couple of these. I don't mess with all that technology. Cool, I told you. So I'd rather be the I told you guy as opposed to being the guy that, that'll that sit there and and and, uh, and I didn't tell you. And then I feel some way because I didn't tell you. It, it, <laughs> I seriously commend you for, for that and just what you're doing, man, and with this music and how you're approaching it because it's artists like yourself 
it's men like yourself that yeah. make the message a lot more digestible for me. Like for me, and not to compare this credit, you know what I mean? So I digest what you're saying. It's way more relatable in, in, in how you do it as opposed to uh, say Electronica or like certain artists who I, I, mm. I know they saying some shit, but it'd be like, yo bro, it's just like, you, you, you. It's not, and I, it's not that my intent is any how to get it. It's just that I can go gravitate to Amir and then get back to the electronic. But if I didn't have an Amir, I wouldn't even find it. It, it sort of like surpassed my frequency of interest. And that's yeah. why what you're doing is so potent yeah. to me. Where it'd be like, yeah. yeah, bro, you take it to where Nas might have left off with it along the that's journey. Deep. That's deep. Yeah, yeah, that's deep. That's deep, brother. And and, and it's that. So to add to that, so I, I found myself in a position where, uh, you know, I know we had spoke before about the whole peace beloved and the, and, the, and, the, and that whole peace beloved movement and mm-hmm. not even a movement, just the the term itself and its point of origin and the people who are at the forefront of that. Same thing kind of come with now, like when I start started. Uh, this is more just a, a evolution of the whole peace beloved mind mindset because when i said peace beloved initially people thought it was a term no it means beloved means i I love you and i believe in you so it's peace to you and i love you and i believe in you and what you got going on i believe that you there is something inside of you that wants to be great right so when when the term peace beloved was initially um thought about or, or just you know and then actually artistically uh, executed. That was the energy that I had, or mindset I had when I did it. So when I do, when I do hear, hear like the J Electronicas or the Nas or, or, or whoever, man, anybody I think with a message, I think the intent and the energy behind the message actually plays a major part in how it is, uh, how it's carried over and how it's received. Because you know, music. A lot of people talk about vibrations and frequencies, but some people use it as a slang. Some people really understand what it really is. And, and energy is a vibration and frequency within itself, such as great artists like Bob Marley. It, they didn't have the most, the best technology around the equipment, but his music forever stands the test of time because of the frequency and energy and the groove of the music. So I would I would equate it, not to, I'm not equating myself to Bob Marley, but just the approach of you know, the intent behind my words and the intent behind my actions, uh, you know, and I know that I suffer from the disease of imperfections, right? So because I'm aware of that, I try to stay conscious of, you know, the, you know, the right, the right and the wrong that I've done in the past. So I can try, I can try and keep the wrong that I do may possibly do in the future a little bit more spread apart. You know what I'm saying? It's not intentional. I, I don't have any form of like malice intent uh, in my music to, because I'm mad at someone. If I'm, if I'm, you know, upset, I put it in a way where I'm venting about it and not being malicious or towards someone. You know, I try to filter it myself. But I think now that I'm, you got me thinking about it, it's a lot of different things happening in one moment. Like it's like an orchestra of, uh, you know, you being able to orchestrate your imbalance, your emotions, your thoughts your energy and when you have that one moment where it's like you catch your stream i guess and and when you enter that stream of expression that it creates this uh this uh this energy or, or belief everything surrounding your sound and your music 
especially when you're on certain beats and when that thing makes a marriage, you know, it, it could take off or people to receive it in the right way. You spoke on um, just uh, your creative process a bit, how, you know, it's more of a conversational piece. Do you find that cooking up in the confinements of your own creative space, like I see you have there, is this a lot more therapeutic for you and a lot more comfortable? Super, man, I love it. I love it. I, I, yo, this probably is the best move that I've made in years artistically is getting my own stuff. Shout out to my man Austin is too from the heat makers. He a couple years back he was like, man, man, I know you got a couple coins saved. You might as well, you know, go get you some stuff, some equipment, man. I said, he said, he said you out there. You was, I was in DC at the time, and he said, yo, if you're gonna be sitting out there for a minute, just, just you know, he said, trust me, it'll be a great investment. You won't, it could change your life. And when he said it to me, I said, send me what you got in your crib. He sent me, he texted me. Uh, he sent me a list of what he had in his in his uh, home recording uh, studio, and I went to um, Guitar Center and I bought it. And ever since then, I you know you messed around. I, I knew how I wanted to sound, but once I got in a groove, I started linking up with my man, this kid on my records. Now they got G, my man G Weeks. G Weeks. And when, yeah. yeah, so G Weeks. When I got when I linked up with G Weeks through Howie McDuffie, they put us together, and his man Jay from Boston. They put us together, and we was just recording records like through technology like he would FaceTime me, I FaceTime him and I never had physically never met him. We were just doing records and records like that for about two years before we even met each other. But we created a sonic through conversation, through, you know, about just talking about life and XYZ. And then we would go into re recording one. I would record the records, send it to him, talk about it over FaceTime and telephone like, yo, what you think? I wanted to sound like what XYZ. But what I, I noticed about being able to record alone is nobody else's energy is disrupting what you have to say or how you feel. It's just you, the music, and the canvas. It's nobody back behind you like, yo, son, I think you should use a blue. And you go grab a blue, and that's not what, honestly what you wanted to grab. What if you you could have been creating the next Mona Lisa or some Basquiat type art, and but because somebody behind you disrupted it and you went with what they did, now it's not necessarily you in your, tr in your purest form anymore. It's you and people in the room's energy on this record because you decided to ask them what they think before you was finished your canvas. So I think that creates a place of like, okay, cool. Now that I'm finished my art, what do you think about how it sounds sonically? What should I go change to enhance it? Not while I'm creating it. You you don't even have a brush and you're trying to tell me how to rock on the canvas. I think that now if we're doing a collaborative piece of work, that's a different situation, but for conversational type records or records that are very like, I would say, uh, trying to make insightful or even party records or whatever you're trying to, whatever the vibe is. I think, honestly, I think recording alone for me, specifically my process has been, it enhanced because now I don't have to write it down anymore. I can just kind of say it and I can practice different things and do X, Y, Z, man. So it's cool. I like it. I like this. I love it. I actually love it because I get the chance to, to be as vulnerable as possible and not worry about, you know, who's around me thinking about what I'm thinking what I said. Yo, um, you ain't gonna slide that light flex in there either so calmly as you put it. Because <laughs> you just slid this in like it was, you know what I mean? You slid that plate 
through there. Like it was just a common, you know what I mean, relationship. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's funny yeah. because when people go back and really start to dissect their catalog, and which I had to do in order to, and I told you that when we first linked in the physical, it was like, geez, I see you. You know what I'm saying? I know you was looking at yeah. me crazy. Like, oh, this kid knows about me. I'm like, yeah, I see you. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. the respect I have for you that, that when it's, it's time, love. I want you to understand. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been sitting there looking and I'm like, all right, homie has joints with Pete Rock, Legend Death, Pete Rock. You feel me? Album. We got an album coming too, Dope Boy So. Pete Rock, Heat Makers, and I'm just like, and for many people, if you judging a book by its cover or you just looking at the surface level of things, you'll be like, all right, only got big name production behind them that you normally would know requires a big bag yeah. to even get their time. You feel me? But for, yeah. for, for those who are peeling back the layers to your onion, as you say, yeah. you begin to understand that yo bro it's a it's relationship like his yes. relationships are key you know what i'm saying yes yes yes, um, yes, yes. first and foremost um because everyone who understands how the entertainment business or any business work there's yeah. two, two entities and things your face card and then it's the product you feel me yeah. your face card and the product how people perceive you how they rock with you and respect with you and then how they rock with what you're doing. But yeah. for you, you found a, a good lane where you build solid relationships. Why has that been important? And how have you established those type of relationships in the journey and evolution of a myth? Okay, when I first, so to set it off, once again, the barbershop, man. The barbershop, <laughs> I swear to God. Yo, so I was in the shop. I was in the shop. I was uh, in Albany at the time, my man D. Daryl from Bricks Barbershop. Shout out to Bricks. And it was a kid up there named was Jason Panucci. And he owned a studio. He was doing something for, he was like one of the reps for selling equipment. It wasn't Soundtree. It was a, it was a, he sold a studio, but he made beats. His name is PJ Katz now. And what he did, it was an Erica Badu remix that he was doing. So this is how it started. So he had heard some records or somebody had told him, yo, this guy right here, I like, I like this kid's, uh, his vocals or whatever, whatever. It was a record I had, but I was I went to his house to record at the time. He said, yo, I have this record that they wanted me to do for the label as a remix for Erica Badu. And I was like, what? He was like, yo, I think you should try it. Now, mind you, I'm not going to say no, but Q-Tip was on the record. He said, so, yeah, let's use it. He said, try it out. So here I am from the barbershop, and this dude was on a remix for Erica Badu record and ended up throwing me on the record. Wow. From that point, I had a copy of it. I don't know if the record ended up coming out or whatever. I don't know if, if Q-Tips vocals were replaced or if they was ever used. I don't really know. I just know I recorded it and I had a copy of this, that record with me. And I was in, I came back out here to Nourishelle in Mount Vernon because um, I was I, I always cut hair in Nourishelle, but I was living I lived in Mount Vernon at the time. So so there's always been, and, and the clear up's always been that, that duality between Nourishelle and Mount Vernon when people speak on me. You know what I'm saying? But I lived in Mount Vernon for 12, 12, 15 years. So the record CL came into the barbershop. My cousin Tazzy had the record he, and he popped the CD in when Homeboy came into the barbershop. And CL was like, who was that? They said, yo, that's my man right here. He was like, if I had that record, it'd be out of here. So I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then he said, yo, what you doing later? I said, I'm going to be chilling. I'm like, you know, I'm in the hub. We out here. He said, all right, cool. Come by the crib. Gave me his number. We chopped it up. A couple days later, I was down at Urban Plaza. And that's where I linked up with like AZ and Pete and everybody else. It was The Roots, and they was on tour with The Roots at the time. You know, Little Brother, Knife, everybody's back there, like that particular audience. So it was kind of like I was in my element. 
But yeah, at the time, but at, yeah. but at the time, but at the time, I was this is Dicky suit of man, Dicky suits, chuckers on. I was out there. I was on a different type of time. So, but here, I, I felt like it may be whatever CL was seeing at the time. That was what it was. But you know, he brought me around, and that's when I linked up through that. I linked up with Dio and ADF, and I didn't know that these guys at the time. Well, as far as the Mount Vernon. Uh, the backbone of some of the musical uh, giants in Mount Vernon that had actually put people in position. I had just like that. So I'm through the barbershop. Through CL put me right, 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 right in alignment with him. And I've been cool with those guys ever since. Um, so from that day I met AZ and then Dio brought me, they, and they asked me to come to a session uh, at Chung King where AZ was doing a session. I call up uh, CL, and him and CL was on a record together at the time called Magic Hour. So this is how the relationship started built. So when I met A, at that time, I was in the studio session with him, da 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 They was in there doing what they was doing. <clears throat> I never, at this point, I never said a rhyme. And then a couple of days later, he was like, yo, I'm about to go on tour. You want to come? Of course. I'm out. We out. So I ended up going on tour with him. And I think the time at that time, Pete and CL had went overseas. So now, because they had went overseas and everything else was happening, I don't want to be stuck in the hood. Like for the summer, I was trying to move around and make some more soon. And then when I came back, off the road from a couple of shows with AZ. I never gave dropped me off on 125th. He hit me with some bread and he was like, what you gonna do? I said, I'm he said, yo man, stay, stay by your phone, yo. Cause he, he know how I was moving. <laughs> I said, he said, stay by your phone. I said, all right. And from there, uh, Eddie F, Dio said, yo, why don't you come over to Eddie house? You know, he had this big flash, you know, studio downstairs in his crib, shit was crazy. I'm sitting there like all these plaques on the wall and Eddie F was just calling me to come to Mad Events. And around that time, I was sitting there like, you know, I'm out here trying to pedal my little loop. Wasn't, I was moving at a decent, decent rate, but I think, and I remember I was just going, I went to the studio, he said, yo, you can't have one foot in the streets and one foot in the studio, man. And he sat down, he said it to me, it just, he said, nobody's gonna invest in you. You got one foot in the streets and one foot in the studio. What you, what do you, what do you wanna do? I mean, it was like a grown man, kind of like, he sat me down, was like, yo, what you trying to do? He, he was saying like, yeah, this stuff is dope, but just, I just wanna make sure that you, um, you know, we get you through the right situation. And nothing actually came of like going to a major job. I sat, but it took me almost every label job, Sony, Def Jam, went to almost all of the buildings at the time. And you know, people would show love and you know, and the, and the internet was heating up and around that time. So this is my introduction to the web. So when I saw everybody kind of a little bit hesitant, it wasn't, it was hesitant on the music. It was about the relationships. And I didn't understand it at the time, his relationships with people, because people always associate him with Andre, Harrell, and L.A. Reid and et cetera. And when I went to see Chad Elliott at the time, Chad was like, I will sign you, but I don't want to step on EF toes. And I'm like, so the guy that was like, yo, if I had to pin him, you know that he could be drying right now. So I'm sitting there, I'm hearing all of the this and me understanding the politics of it. I'm moving forward. So those were, so I never really got upset about it. I just kind of understood and said, you know what, this is, let me take it to the web. So that's what my introduction to really going extremely hard on the internet, me and my brother, and that's how those relationships and then over time people was on the internet when they start coming to the internet i was already on it i had already built built the foundation and so when by the time they got word of it that was that but my relationships actually started to just from from there and then from ef i end up in, in do i end up just being a ton of other artists and producers man just through moving around with these guys and you know have at the time and um and just you know it, it, i just was moving around and everything else just kind of happened. Then I look up and I realize how many people that I met and how many people I was so, you know, cool with or whatever and everything was just happening. So it's a lot of, and that's how I've actually formed those relationships was through that, that time was, was, was a very pivotal time. Because at the t also then my brother, you know, at the time, Success Jay, he was working with Floyd Mayweather. 
uh, with the whole money team thing. So that, so we had him over there, I was over here, and those two things together combined made for interesting uh, people would just have an open ear to what we had to say. That speaks values to your <laughs> diligence to to not only transition the, the way you were trapping with the music and, and jump on, you know, my new unimaginable route with it on the internet, but it just shows the test of patience and time it took for you to evolve into the new era because a lot of people, you know, from that came in or was creating during the golden era, early 90s, you know, early 2000s era of making music, struggled with making that transition to the technology era. You know what I'm saying? And, and they struggled with that transition, not only just adapting to the new times, but adapting their sound to new audiences. And that just speaks volumes to just how determined and diligent you were with your craft to just make that transition to the internet phase and just find a way to still be relevant, you know what I mean, as an artist. Because a lot of people that made music early 90s, early 2000s, they struggle with really finding their, just finding their way through the technology phase, the era of it, you know what I mean, and being able to maintain relevance. I think you start looking at the mid 2000s and when 2000s period, like as a whole, like, you know, and teenage young years and adult years for some people, whatever the case may be, what I started to notice was like, you know, that around, you're looking at, if you start looking at 2010, 2009, mm -hmm. say 2009, let's say even 2009, seven or whatever the case may be, that's what you should, if you, technology aiming, you know, aim and all that stuff started to come out. There's a big AOL, when AOL first hit the dial of internet and blah, 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 blah. It was, just, it was this phase of the internet and technology that was taking place. And a lot of uh, record labels and major corporations were a little bit apprehensive because they weren't sure if this was going to be the wave of the future. Um, or how how is this, it was like playing video games, you're on the internet, the shit doesn't do anything. Da, da, da. You know, it was that type of vibe from a lot of, been a lot of heavy, uh, the record index. But I, I agree with you that um, the industry wasn't really prepared for what the internet mm -hmm. was bringing. But uh, as an artist, um, I want to piggyback on that a bit as an artist. Um, that was one of the things that I've been noticing as well as admiring that you've been able to do is to create a sound that is relevant now to today and age it doesn't matter how long you've been cooking up your formula and your recipe your music and the yeah. sound you have is not only as polished as a seasoned vet but it's it's sonically it's it's right there like i, I listened to uh amir record back to back from a j cole record or a wheezy record and there's no lag yeah. in the audio pleasure of it like you feel me like you're mm -hmm. right there with it um oh, okay that's love yeah, bro. Like you, love. it isn't a, it isn't an outdated sound, or it isn't a, a tainted formula to where it's like I have to change where my mood changes to how I digest your music. Yeah, and yeah, that's I, interesting, I, bro. Yeah, so I think for me, man, I, I pay attention to that part a lot, right? I think uh, cooking up and watching these guys. And when you were younger, then you watch that. You pick up a lot of jewels from these guys, man. These guys had already had, like you talk about 10, 20 years experience when I met them. So it wasn't like, you know, I had to be a, a student, you know, 
There was no time to teach. I was, I was no way I could, there's nothing I could teach them about the industry. You know what I'm saying? I had to full-fledged student mode. Um, and I just, I, I think what ha what I really try to pay attention to is, is progression and sound as far as like, what can I do or say uh, on certain beds of music that will stand the test of time. But in the mixing and when you start the element of uh, sonically, how it's, like you said, how it's going to sound, there's certain elements and ways to let the music breathe. Like before, when dudes are chopping samples, the samples are super sped up with the boom, boom, da, 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 da. it was very like straightforward. It wasn't a lot of like uh, digital uh, enhancements on the beat itself. You know, it was just pretty random, no matter what you ran it through. Nowadays, you can, you can run it through so much so many processes and and create that sound that, that you speak of to where now you, and, and save the presets so now when you record and people hit it's a, it's a consistency in how you sound when you jump on a record and then when you know how to pick up certain beats or, or beds of music that that complement your voice or the texture of your voice then you begin to uh, create and build and I do feel like with the um until tomorrow, the coronavirus manifesto and the free game tape that I did prior in, in, the, in the last several uh, projects. And um, and even with the Dope Boy Soul EP with Pete that we that I did, and that we did together, I shouldn't say I did, we did together, as you know, in the mixing process. Um, there's a, there's a, a power, like you said, in being able to record yourself in XYZ. So you get a lot of practice, like going to the gym. Some people not in studio shape. They can rap and write records, but are they in shape? You know, it's a repetition. You get better. If you put in your 10,000 hours, to say it takes 10,000 hours to master something. Like a lot of people haven't put in 10,000 hours yet, and they think they are at their peak. But if you really put in the hours and the time, people will start to appreciate and hear and see the maturation in your music and your sound and you as a human being. And if it's timeless and you stand true to self, I think it'll 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 always it will always go and be and be one of those things that people are love and gravitate towards. Yeah, it's evident. It's evident you're a student of of music, not just hip hop, not just rap, not just one genre. It's definitely yeah. evident that you really take your time with cooking up your formula. Does it ever does it ever hinder the the process a bit being such a, a strategic perfectionist nah, you? nah 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 one thing I do man and I tell you not even to cut you but and I and you and you do this because you're a writer I don't overthink or underthink that's one of the, the bullet points I put in my head with art I don't overthink it or underthink it I just go I'll judge it and try to dissect it when I'm finished and if it comes out crazy it'll stay in, it'll stay in my computer and nobody ever hear it but <laughs> if it's worth <laughs> if, it's, if it's if it's worthy of you know, the, the next steps. Yeah, let's take it and play with it and, have, and, and see if we can stretch it out and make it uh, sound like something or build on it. Yeah, with the song structure of today's sound and just the the microwave era of how people mm -hmm. digest music, um, I think for, for me as a fan, when I listen to records like Superstar, Peace Beloved, all the way up to the new project and just you. how you're cooking up, bro. I think um, you've adapted to 
the new style of how music is made on Until Tomorrow, where, you know, nowadays it isn't 316s that make a song structure nowadays. No, Everything it's, a, it's a vibe. Yeah, it's, it's a feel. strictly a vibe. It's a feel. Strictly a feel. Strictly, yeah. yeah is feel it funner? Is it a lot yeah, funner, yeah, it's, easier it's now funny. making it's, music? Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm glad you, you see, you, you be catching it. So, in 16, if I can say in 12 bars what I used to say in 16, I don't gotta write four bars. I don't have to bust my head to think of four bars and I write cool. Records that once needed to be three minutes and a half, now you can hit them in two minutes and 30 seconds and create the same level of uh, attachment. The EP was 10 minutes and some change. 10 minutes and some change. Five, four records, five with the outro, right? <laughs> and I told somebody, I told somebody, I said to somebody, it will hurt my feelings. If four records do for me, with nine mixtapes or 10 mixtapes or whatever, couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> because if, if you think about it, because I ain't gonna front. I mean, until tomorrow, and I mean, it's a coronavirus manifesto. And even the name, I was having a lot of trouble in, um, in opposition with the platforms about my message, and they was blocking me. It was called shadow ghosting, shadow blocking. They shadow blocked me on, on, on Facebook. They shadow blocked me on Instagram. They were shadow blocking me on a lot of the um, distribution uh, companies telling me that, yo, the content didn't fit the community. Um, you know, that, and I'm like, this is not even radical. You're not listening. You looked at the cover or you saw coronavirus manifesto. It could be me being the, the black guy saying what it is. I'm not trying to be careful or politically correct. I'm just trying to be tell the I'm not even trying. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say what 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 it really is. Like there's a there's an absolute manufacturing of uh of celebrated like celebrated ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance like um hyper intelligent I mean celebrated foolery you know I'm not saying the foolery is not fun I'm just saying bring back some sort of balance or if it is a balance it is balance but just let the other side of who we are be shown just as much as you're showing us you know jokey jokey dancing around and you know whatever mm -hmm. I like I think I do the same things at times but that's not who we are 24 7 and when you look around the world and how our public, our public facing profile to the world from black America, how we look in the eyes of people from other countries. That's what they see of us is what they saw on TV. And because we don't control our narratives like that, on most of these platforms, other people write our narratives for us, right? So that's how I, you know, I kind of look at it because you don't see, and there's no disrespect to anybody from any other eth ethnic background or, or ethnicity period. For instance, hypothetically, if, if 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 my family's Asian, you don't see Asian hip hop artists coming to to a completely black owned label to do Asian music or tell them how they and we telling them how they should sound and what they should wear and what their people are gonna like because we holding the bag. It's not gonna happen. We're the only culture that puts ourselves up for sale to the highest bidder. And whoever and then we'll turn around and say stuff like it don't matter, he got that money though, right? So I think that there's a certain level, certain part of my culture that is not for sale. Some of it I can't sell. A certain level of integrity and dignity and pride in what I am and what I, what I came from and my people went through. There's a certain level that I just, 
it's a ground zero. I'm just, I'm not selling this part. This part is not for sale. I'll sell you the shows and the music, and, you know, my thoughts and ideas, but I'm not coming to you to get permission to do my culture to my people. And if you notice people started to do that, freedom ain't free, but it's necessary when, when you're trying to be artistic. Well said. And, and with understanding that, there always will be challenges and hurdles yeah. that, you know what I'm saying, will to a degree hinder <clears throat> the progress as well as the, the, the radar in which your message and your art form is received. So yeah. with understanding that, because um, I do notice as I've been, you know what I mean, investing in your art form and just getting to understand and, and, and become more of an admirer of it, I do notice that you do not take many of the approaches that a lot of today's artists would normally take and just oversaturating, you know what I mean, the market. Like it's times right now, like Corona, where everyone's like, yeah, hey, you want to flood it. Everyone's on their devices. You want to flood the market, this and the third, where I find artists like yourself are very strategic mm-hmm. with it, first and foremost, as you have to be. But I notice Thank you're you, yeah. not taking a lot of the, like, you won't see many Amir shows. You won't see you just any and everywhere as well. The accessibility no. to you and your brand yeah. isn't there. Um, so how do you approach and plan to, without giving us, you know what I mean, plays from the, from the vault, the blueprint of it, but how, yeah. as an artist like yourself, how do you approach the game and distributing your story and distributing your product with knowing these hurdles and challenges will be there along the way? Um, I, I think for me now is that I'm okay with knowing that it ain't for everybody. Before, I had a hard time digesting that. You want everybody to love you. Oh, everybody feel me. Like, everybody don't shop at uh, on Fordham. Yeah. But the people that shop on Fordham shop on Fordham, and you know what to sell them, right? And if somebody comes into town and somebody asks that person who shop on Fordham, when you get that, oh, I got it from Fordham, I got it for XYZ. Let me, you know what I'm saying? So, like, you got the fly headband on. I, I, it's fire, right? Now, it's for a specific personal group of people that will buy that. Mm-hmm. Now, I would want to know, like, yo, where you get that? Like, and now, that's kind of like my approach because I think because of the internet, certain things were abandoned. That human interaction, that nostalgic feeling of how you discover the artist, right? So, <clears throat> now that I know that, I, I mean, these hurdles have always been in place. But when you're conscious of it, and I don't, I hate the word, I don't say I hate the word conscious, but when you're aware of the fact that these things are in place and in motion and in power, it doesn't take away from your power. It actually empowers you because you know they exist. So now you still figure out workarounds. Because in order for them to stop you, they got to damn near re, 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 restructure their whole business approach. And they're not going to do that to stop me from trying to do what I'm trying to do. So... What I, what I started to do was um, I would facilitate the music through the platforms that would allow me to, right? And just really just push it from there to shows as far as everything else. I don't, I'm not picky, but I'm fully aware of if I'm going to do a, a show in front of a particular audience, are they going to receive me or not? Some people be like, when I'm over. But I think one of the greatest challenges as an artist is to go wild with a crowd that doesn't know anything about you. And you just grabbed a room full of people that were complete strangers and performed or you said some things that connected to them. And now there's a line of connection. There's a bridge between you and that person, which is nostalgic 
and it's an emotional moment. Most of the times now when people come into contact with your music, it's through a device. So yeah, that feeling of how they discovered you is under the umbrella of how they discovered everybody else. There's nothing nostalgic about it. So, um, you know, just try to create a viral when they discover and when they do hear you that you're saying something that absolutely grabs their attention, but you don't compromise your uh, personal and artistic integrity in the process. Yeah, because I noticed even with the collaborations, you and G Weeks made <clears throat> like to me, y'all are definitely honing in on that sound of, of what y'all cooking up. I love to see as I go via catalog <laughs> joints that y'all collaborate on and cook up, you know what I mean, together because I think it helps, you know what I mean, the creative Yes, yeah, he's he's been a he has been a he's been a a, a a godsend, bro. He's like very super spiritual guy, very have a, a very similar temperament. He to me is like he at the perfect time he was the perfect person to link with to further my journey. But I that I didn't see him coming. You understand? And when we link with each other it was always, it was like, bro, it's like conversations such like the one we had, and we would just go from there to turn on the music and just get busy. You know, here in Boston, I'm, I was in D.C. or in New York or whatever, and now we just took a couple years for us to really get the sound that y'all getting now from us. It was cultivated, because in the beginning, you know, we had to find that, you know, he's gotten stronger and better at his mixing, but he was already, he was always on point. But over the over time, you know, you just progressively get better because you're giving it ten thousand plus hours. Now. So he's been pivotal in that process of uh, creating, leading, charge in the way I sound. Not just um, as far as the mixing, but even artistically, we, we collaborate and have conversations about. I'll tell him how I feel. So now, if he's if he's if he's because he's just not an engineer, he, he you know he does. Uh, he raps, sing, audio, play the keys. So he's like a, a one-man band. But have us on a collaborating record. A lot of people have been, uh, and I thank you for that, saying that we, we built a, a great sonic together. You know, I definitely, you know, pass him, you, you know, your information. You probably definitely want to chop it up with him too, man. Good guy. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. I, I appreciate it. This is all new for me, like, as a street corner journalist. Like, one of the- Yeah, I love that. I love, I love the terminology. <laughs> Yeah, bro, like, you know, because for me, I was always the kid who, I'm going to buy the CD, I want to see where you recorded it out, I want to yeah. see, I'm going to read all of the yeah. credits, you know what I'm saying, before yeah. I even listen to the album, so that I'm able to go into your world, you know, and it's funny, yeah. it's funny because you said, um, when we were talking in this conversation, you said how, like, you know, the extremes or the, I'm going to say the colorful displays of our culture are often what they put on the forefront and then they don't want to dissect and really get into the hues of, of understanding. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of why I named the show, like the platform is the SRL experience, it's the sophisticated ratchet life of it, is because when you judge a book by its cover, if they were to perceive what, what I'm doing, they are, this is just another Young black men from the hood, tattoos, piercings, braids, long hair. Same here. They're yeah. gonna just think that they get it. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and and that's cool because I want that's the bait. You know what I'm saying? I I, I yeah. want to reel them in, but then when you really peel back the layers of the onion, you get to listen and sit with us. Yeah. And just see what you know. What I'm see what I'm cooking. It's yes. like okay, teach, teach. Soulful. You know what I'm saying? Moments with people and we're, we're meeting each other on the block, like I, I literally on the corner. Because I'm I'm like. You know, we, yeah, we, we, absolutely. A fan of yours is from being outside, the admirer, how we really feel. Yeah. 
out of feeling. I don't care what you yeah. do, how it looks over there. It's about how it resonates with us. Yes, yes, absolutely, man, absolutely, and, and thank you a thousand percent. It's a and the, and the crazy part and the beautiful part about it is that's not the intent when I'm making it. You know what I'm saying? The intent is to, you know, be free of judgment and just really speak my peace alone in a room with my thoughts and my own demons and my angels and everything, you know, surrounding me and just, you know, hash it out with it. Hash it out with myself over a better music and knowing that somebody out there will relate. I don't know who, such as yourself. Because if you relate me and what I'm saying, I know it's already established that I can relate to you. Because it's already, it's just a confirmation now that I wasn't bugging out when I was thinking what I was thinking and saying what I was saying. So, and it's, it's, you're doing a good job, good brother, with just cooking up your sauce your recipe and like I yeah. often say to people when you cook it up it's like grandma in the kitchen you don't know what grandma putting in them pots but the moment you wake up or the moment you put the key you in smell the door, it you, come in, you can smell it you feel me you can smell it and you know it's some good and, and, and it's yeah. the same thing with what you're doing where you cooking up your formula bro and it's like I can smell it, jeans, and, and and I'm pretty sure many, because I follow different people uh, on social media, like Stone Molly and like certain people. Yeah. I see oh, y'all. so you know, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah so it's yeah, like yeah. certain shout dudes. Out, shout, out, shout out to Stone Molly, look, man. I, cer certain people, bro, it's not certain people that gravitate to what you're doing. I, I I get to understand because like even me, him and I, it's like we never met each other in, in, from anywhere in the world other than Twitter. But it's just crazy. certain dialogue and conversations we've had. And then when yeah. I see those same type of people gravitating and y'all gravitating in that mix, I be knowing that, yeah, what he's doing is hitting the right people it needs to hit, dude. That's crazy because how I how I got, I got introduced to him on Twitter, my man, Brandon had a sent, he said, y'all sent your records to this guy named Stone Marley. He's talking about you on Twitter. I said, who is Stone Marley? He said, you don't know who Stone Marley is? And he just gave me the, the rundown. I said, oh, he said, he's in on to the streets. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's. So I hit him, I said, yo, I appreciate it. He said, yo, you got anything else? Shoot it over here, man. He said, yo, you got it. I said, all right, thanks. I was really like, oh shit, let me, okay. So I said, yo, man, when I get some new records, you know, I'll send you, you know, a private link or whatever you want to take a piece. He said, nah, man, absolutely. So I sent him a couple other records that were on SoundCloud that he didn't hear yet. He was like, nah, nah, and you know, the back and forth. But I didn't know that he spoke to a certain niche in the culture that were of like critical thinking people or people that come from the elements that we come from, but still have the ability to be a critical thinker and somebody who would analyze before uh, they mobilize, you understand? So It's crazy because like, I don't even know a lot of his history. We just really click on social media just like this, through organic, yeah. you know what I mean? And he's always giving feedback and just saluted me you know what I mean? On this yeah. journey as this young brother coming up doing this thing. And, yeah. you know, one of the things I wanted to speak on um, with you is, you know, you cook up your own formula by yourself. You work so hands-on with the process. Being that we're in a DIY era where everything now is, you know, just doing it yourself, being a self-entrepreneur. As you're building this brand, you've been putting in work for a while how do you balance yeah. the the dream in your life balance you know how do you balance uh, that because a lot of people <laughs> lost fatigue along the way and i'm pretty yeah. sure a lot of your kids you see them but now they on adventure yeah. life and yeah. pretty much you know what i'm saying in the stands yeah. now with opinions but they're not on the court no more with whatever you, you their dreams what? were you know it's crazy i feel like this if you give up on it was it really a dream or was it a goal 
Mm. Right? Some people have a lot of blurred lines between a goal and a dream. Two different things. Dream is fire. Dream is dream is fire by passion and love and and a different type of purpose. A purpose that you understand and, and a purpose you don't understand. A goal is for medals or, or for trappings or to you know have a goal to get this or get that. It's a it's a thing you're trying to get. It's not a feeling. A dream has more feelings involved. A goal doesn't have like you know people like I accomplished my goals. Okay, it's like a check. It's not the same as a dream. So I think the people that may have surrendered their belts or said, you know what. I'm not gonna make music anymore because of this. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too light-skinned, I'm too dark-skinned. Oh, you're not rapping about trap. You're not doing this, or oh, they want bars, or they don't want bars. They'll they'll trick, they'll trick, they'll, they will actually trick themselves out of their position, out their own dream. I just refuse to be one of those guys, man. I'm going out swinging, man. Like, you know, I just can't see, because I would be surrendering. So I would, it would be a form of surrender to myself. And when I say to myself, a part of myself that I don't want to surrender to, like, is giving up. If it's a dream, it's, but for me, it's somewhat of a reality because I've touched this part of the game, even having to deal with Tommy Boy at the time. And, come on, and I did not know that they was owned by Warner Brothers. Like, for me, it's a reality and a continuation of, of a dream. For some people, it's a goal. So for some people, it's a dream. Some people, it's an aspiration. They aspire to be, but they have to make the decision in their head and their heart. Like, is this a goal? Is this an aspiration? Is it a dream? Is it a task? Is it a God-given ability? Is, is it any of the above? So I think once they figure out what part of the definitions they fall under, that's when they can make a decision and move in the right direction. Well said. For you, man, at this stage in your life, um, and this at this stage on your high,